You may be seated. Welcome, welcome everyone to Big Woods Bible Church. Happy Father's Day, especially. What a delight it is at some level. Whenever it comes to Father's Day, I don't know, dads, if you feel like this, it's also one of those days that you're kind of reminded of everything you've done wrong. Like, we try. We try really, really hard, and yet we know that we still fail at some level. Let me encourage you with this. Today, all of our focus, all of our attention is directed to our Heavenly Father who never gets it wrong. He never gets impatient with us. He never gets frustrated. He never just, like we do. He is perfectly patient, perfectly loving. And we have in a gorgeous, gorgeous day that he's been, he's gifted to us with. We have an hour, we have some time together to sing. It is a delight to be worshiping together again. All of this in God's grace is given to us so that we focus our attention on him. And may we do that this morning and may we do that well. We need prayer. I need prayer. I need help this morning. Exodus chapter 20. We'll be looking at verse 12. I believe it was the second week in January that we began our series in Exodus. And let me tell you this. In God's sovereign providence, not my planning, okay? We end up on this verse on Father's Day. That is a pretty cool God in his perfect sovereign plan. We'll read Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 in just a moment. First, we need to pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that we can come to you as your children. We have full access to you. We can come, Lord, when we are frustrated and angry and tired. We can come, Lord, when we're in tears. You always receive us. You always hear us. You always care. You always love. We thank you, Lord, that we we can come to you in the name and through the work of your son, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that in... In this very moment, as we have so many things that are just clamoring for our attention. And Lord, there is so much hurt and heartache in this world around us. And we lift up. We lift up one another. We lift up our, our country. We lift up our leaders. Where we think of uh, the unrest, the turmoil, the anger that is just spewing. And Father, I I just pray right now that you would speak to our hearts. We need to hear a word from you. We need to be encouraged by you. We need instruction this, this morning and direction from you to teach us how to live in this world that is on fire. We need your wisdom to teach us what to say, what not to say. And we pray, Lord, that the church right now would just be ignited in a gracious, glorious way, to flame bright for you. To be a bright, shining beacon of hope and grace and love. I pray, Lord, right now for our dads that are amongst us, that are listening. 
We confess that we, we try but we fail so often. We pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged this morning to get back up. To work hard and to be faithful, faithful followers and examples of Jesus. To our children, to our children's children, to the generations to come. Father, for a few moments, you've graced us with your word. Your spirit is present and may you speak and may we hear. We have ears, Lord. Please let us pay attention and hear you. Please help me guard my mind and my mouth from doing anything that would not bring glory to you. We ask this amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, like I said, we've been on this journey. Israelites were in slavery and they are en route to the promised land. We know that it has been this wilderness, like crazy wilderness journey for them. We know that God has revealed himself to the nation Israel, but in many ways it has been God from a distance. But recently, Exodus chapter 19 and 20, it has been what I call God up close, when he literally what speaks atop Mount Sinai. Gives what? These Ten Commandments. I think it's very easy for us to just imagine for a moment. 3,500 years ago, approximately 3,500 years ago, it's easy to think that the Ten Commandments are outdated today. That they're not needed. They're out of touch. In a world that says what? In a world that basically says, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Let me remind you that these words before us, this verse before us, is desperately needed. It is most important. Why you and I need to be fenced in. Although what? We don't like it. We, we do not like to have four, what? We don't like to have any boundaries around us, even since we were children. Oh, my poor mother. My, my oldest sister was born in 1964. My youngest sister was born in 1969. Do the math. There's two boys in between. So about five, six years, she's got four kids. Poor, poor woman. For some reason, I was, I was not the, the best child. A lot of energy, mom claims. She would put me in my little crib, and I don't remember it, but I was obviously old enough to have temper tantrums and to kick. And mom literally told me a story that when I was old enough, I lay on my back and I kicked at the crib, the sides, the railings on the crib so hard, I kicked one of the railings out and actually escaped. Mom came in and her child was missing she found me, she, she, she put me back in the crib and took the, the broken railing and pushed it up against the wall. There, you won't be able to get out now. She informed me that I laid on my back and I kicked against the wall, which pushed the crib out, and I escaped again. She's like, I, I will not let this boy beat me. She actually, and I don't know if this is legal today, she actually put like a, a netting over the top. Had, it, had the, 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 the crib railing, put a netting over the top. 
She came in and I was actually on top of the netting at one particular time. Why? Because put us in a confined space. Tell us there's restrictions and guidelines and parameters and we don't want it. We don't like it. You see, these commandments that are given to us are designed for our good and for his glory. They're given to us by a loving, gracious, heavenly father. The Ten Commandments, hear this, are a gift. A gift of God's grace to us. Let me direct your attention, your eyes to these words. On this green in front of you, hopefully you brought your Bibles. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor. Honor your father and your mother. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. If you remember as well, the first four commandments are all designed to teach us what? How to love God. That's what we refer to as the vertical relationship, us and God. The last six are, 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 are designed to teach us how to love one another. That's our horizontal relationship. I think it's more than appropriate that the first place that God goes in order to teach us how to love one another is what? He takes us to the most basic social unit that exists where does god take us first and foremost this is how i want to teach you how to love other people the first word is that god takes us to the family think about this for a moment what human relationship has more potential for love and joy and blessing and healing than home than family and also what human relationship has what? More opportunity for pain and for sorrow and cursings and even hate than the family. It takes a lifetime of work to maintain the relationship at home. Today is not a time, parents, I don't want you to just elbow your kids and like, you better listen up to this one. No, 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 no. How else are kids going to learn how to honor their parents unless parents teach your children what it looks like and how to do this? So this commandment is for all of us. Yeah, yeah, but my mom and dad are no longer with us. And some people say that, well, I, like this doesn't apply to me. Or, or my kids are grown, they're adults, they're on their own, this no longer apply, applies to me. No, 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 no. This is what I refer to as the delightfulness of togetherness. What? We are together by design, which means all of us, we gather as a local church so that young and old are together. Doesn't matter which stage of life that you are in, you still can teach. Even if it's teaching like, don't do what I did, you still can model. You still can what? Give an example. You still can love. You certainly, certainly should and can still pray for one another in this. There's many aspects of the home and marriage and family that we know are under absolute attack today. Where the world is trying to redefine what a family is, what a marriage is. 
experts will still admit that home is where a child will learn. They will learn what? Their own value, their worth as little human beings. It's the home that's going to teach them their self-esteem. It's the home that they're going to, what? Identify their strengths in life and their weaknesses, their roles. It's the home that they're going to learn how to converse, how to resolve conflict. It's home that's going to teach us what we like and what we don't like, our interests. It's home it's going to teach us how to win graciously. It's home. It's going to teach us how to lose. It's so important for us to be modeling, especially for those that are in their formative years. Because our children, what, are going to be asking the big questions in life. The big questions like, who am I? Why, why am I here? Like, why do I exist? What am I doing where am I going? Regardless of the fact that the landscape of the family has and is changing at some levels, be assured that God's design, God's instruction, God's word remains unchanged and unchanging. One man, one woman, one lifetime is God's ideal. It's interesting as well in preparation for this, and you go back to kind of like search and dig, like what about the, 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 the words, the verbiage that is used here? Both Hebrew and Greek, there are several words that are used to describe the word family, several words in both languages. But they basically come down to, they consist mostly of what is referred to as a wide-ranging network of blood relatives. The family is often described in, in Scripture different than the way that we think of family today. We think of what, mom and dad, 2.3 kids, and a, and a puppy. No, in, in a biblical understanding, the word family is, is all of the blood relatives. Grandparents, they oftentimes lived with you. An unmarried aunt, a widowed uncle, nephews and nieces. We, we would call that extended family today. The closest term that we would really have by way of understanding our English language of the word family within the context of scripture is the word clan. This is what, this is all of us. People lived what, as a clan, what for survival. There wasn't a lot to go around and say, in order to survive, you had to share everything. But it also provided an amazing opportunity for educational structure, emotional, physical supports. Incredible opportunity for the young to learn from the old. Incredible opportunity for the old to model what life looks like, even when it gets bumpy for the young. Today, it's totally different. We, we have what? Well, we have far more options and luxuries and comforts and amenities. We have a very diverse educational system, a state-of-the-art health care. We have balanced diets and, and, and recreational facilities and transportation options. And, and we have economic influence and we have all of these things that didn't exist back then today there's this this push towards your own independence and your own individualism and self-sufficiency and i think as a result of that relationships at home have suffered they have deteriorated fractured and even become frayed 
Praise God for the timelessness of scripture. For days like this. For words and verses like this. Although it's 3,500 years ago. They still apply perfectly today. When it says honor your father and your mother. Two questions I want to look at today. The first one is this. Why? Why is this important? Why should you honor father and mother? This word honor in Hebrew literally translates here kavad. It, it means to regard with great respect. To honor means to regard with great respect. It implies acknowledging the weight of something or the heaviness of something. In this particular context, it means that people are to give proper weight what, or respect to their parents' position, to the office of the father, to the office of the mother. The opposite of that would be to despise or scorn one's parents. Now, this is important, and it's really important because if one person does not honor or respect their parents at home, most likely they're not going to honor and they're not going to respect people outside of their home. Let me say that again. This is why this is important. There's a heaviness to this word. If you don't learn this concept at home, if you don't honor at home, you can be assured. And we've seen that evidenced. Why would I show respect to someone out there if I don't respect those that are closest to me? And this is significant. This is weighty. Because if you don't honor at home, you're going to have a hard time succeeding in all the rest of life. There is a long list in Scripture of, of, of direction and a list of who we are supposed to show honor to. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 says, First and foremost, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. Which means, you know what? The very first thing that we do is we carve out a portion and we say, Lord, this is, this is yours. This is a gift to us. We're stewards of this, and so we, we honor you. And it talks about giving of our wealth to the Lord to show honor. John chapter 5 says what? That all may honor the Son. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You see how this word builds from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and it pours out. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, I shared this with you recently. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We're going to have a contest to see I can show more honor to someone than you can. Think about that idea. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 actually just includes what? Honor everyone. Love, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Yeah, but I don't agree with, like, I don't, no, no, you're to honor, you're to respect the office. First Timothy says that we're to pray for. Ephesians chapter 6 expands upon this, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. My dad would remind, you know, if you don't honor, it's not going to go well with you. Pretty clear. Revelation chapter 4 verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor. 
And thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. It says that they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they, they all existed and were created. In a sense, this is like a practice run. This life here is a practice run of how we learn to give honor for the real deal, for that which matters later on. That's a long list of honoring. Therefore, what? Practice, practice has to start at home. If I cannot if i do not learn to honor my father and my mother i'm not going to honor others yeah but like i'm now on the flip side of it like i didn't i didn't do real well in that area and i, I know that like i i didn't like what do i do now i missed that i missed that window no there's there's always hope that's the delight what of a father who loves unconditionally. Who loves us, what? Not dependent upon whether or not we are correct in all of our behavior. That we're going to mess up. And God still loves and God still forgives. Two things I want to give you by way of why we need to honor the verse. One is just to live in obedience. Remember, God is atop this mountain and he's not, he's not giving these words here just to fill air time. Oh no, everyone's gathered at the bottom of the mountain. And there's an impressive what? Thunderclap and lightnings and smoke and a trumpet. I gotta, I gotta give them something. No, no, God's not here just to fill airtime. He's instituting a perfect plan on, what? on how to redeem and rescue all of mankind. And guess what? He's actually giving you and I an opportunity to be part of that plan. That we actually can model for others. The love that God has shown us, we can show others. Why? By living in full obedience. John 14 says that if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That sure, we've had a rough time up to this point keeping these. Begin today. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Give me the strength that I need to live in a way that honors and models for others and prays for others. Second reason that we need to honor why we should is to practice the art. I like the art of honoring. And we know that there's a lot of practice. God isn't setting us up for failure here, okay? Like, this is going to really be hard. Like, the home is, you know, it can collapse in on you. No, he's, he's calling us to reflect what? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's calling us to reflect the only one who completely honored his Father, his Heavenly Father. Think about that. I'm a Christian. We call ourselves Christians. We live like Christ. We follow Christ. Christ honored his Heavenly Father. We can do that. Yeah, it's hard. People are telling you that your father doesn't know anything. No, 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 no. Respect and honor. 
And we practice that. We show others the importance. Why you should honor. Secondly, how do we do this? How do you honor your father and your mother? Like real time. It's hard to think about people that have come to me. I, I, I think of, of one of the questions as far as categories or subjects that I've heard more than any other subject. Pastor, I have a question for you. Of, of all of those questions, I think there's one subject more than anything else. And I think it has to do, the subject has to do with family. Like, how do I do this? My dad, he is, he is just, he is, he's totally disengaged with life. He has no clue what's going on. My mom, my, she meddles. Like, every tiny little thing. Like, like the eyes in the back, like she meddles. Question after question. My son, what a snot-nosed kid. Who does he think he is? My daughter. Oh, deceptive little thing she is. I've heard it all. Question after question after question. The majority of them have to do with the idea of family. I remember coming home for the summer after my freshman year in college. So one full year of college under your belt. I remember in the summertime, in whatever the dialogue was, I kind of know the subject, I won't go there. And I remember disagreeing with my father. Because apparently, I don't know if you're, after one year of college, apparently you know everything about everything. It takes you 30 years after college to realize that's not true. I remember dad and I were, were discussing things. And I'm like, dad, I, don't, I just don't see that. Let me explain it to you again. I, I know you explained it to me. I still don't see that. We disagreed on that. But I remember in the dialogue and in the conversation, and although I was this annoying, arrogant, what, 19, 20-year-old kid... I, I, I do remember who I was speaking to. That's, that's still my father. Although I disagree with my father. Doesn't mean that I don't still honor him. To honor your father and your mother does not necessarily mean to agree every single time with your mother, mother and father. I go back to the great philosophy of Aretha Franklin. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Like at some level, it's going to boil all the, I know it's a different context. I don't get the sock it to me, sock it to me, sock it to me. I don't get that. I really don't. I mean, I listened and I just, we're not going there. But there is something to this idea, you just have to respect him. You may not agree, that's okay. You need to honor, to understand the weights who God has called that man to be. The author of Ephesians, as I read earlier, kind of explains and expounds upon this fifth commandment. Great instruction. Somebody comes to me and says, I don't know how to do this family thing. Generally, I'm going to end up in Ephesians 5 or Ephesians chapter 6 at some point. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Notice it doesn't say children obey your parents. No, it says children obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. 
honor your father and your mother. This is the first command with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Listen to this instruction. It continues on in Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, yeah, don't, don't stop reading there. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. And I, and I have these words underlined in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, now think about for a moment, how does this like practically, how does this roll out? Here it is. If you do not obey is where he begins as a child. Children, obey. If you don't obey as a child, you will not honor as an adult. That's what he's talking about here. And dads, think about this. Here's the instruction for fathers. If you're going to provoke, the NIV uses the word exasperate. Well, what does that mean? I like the CSB. It says this. If you're going to stir up anger. There is anger in that little one. And dad, if you, if you rattle that cage, you stir that up intentionally, you provoke them, why in the world... Would your child ever want to obey you? Why in the world would your child ever want to honor you? People, this is tough. I understand. In a fallen, broken world, this is hard. Like, how do we do this? Is God commanding us to something? Is God calling us to something? 3,500 years ago, yeah, it, just, it doesn't work today. You don't know who my father is. You don't know what he said to me. You don't know how he treated me. How do we do this? Over the years, I have, I have cut my teeth on the teaching and the ministry of Howard Hendricks. Some of you have heard of Dr. Howard Hendricks. Died in 2013. And I just, I grew up listening to, he was a Philly boy, I kind of liked that connection. He was a Yale grad, I don't connect a lot with that. Fifty years, fifty years he taught at Dallas Theological Seminary Exposition in Hermeneutics. They refer to him as the prof. He, he's the one who taught Chuck Swindoll and, and taught Tony Evans, David Jeremiah, he's the one who poured into and taught a Joe Stoll. Like heroes of the faith that I look up to, this is the guy who taught them. I had the privilege on several occasions of sitting under the teaching of Dr. Hendricks before he passed away. And there has been a book on my shelf, and, and I, I looked at it the day, it goes back 30, 30 years. And, and, and I, took it, I took it off, I looked for it, I took it off, it's, it's pink, it's clearly a 70s book. Pink was like so hot back then. And it's this dog-eared, it's all written in and it's torn. And it's called Heaven Help the Home. And I remember, I, I have read that, and, and as I was reading it again this week, again, I was drawn to chapter 3. In Howard Hendricks' book, Heaven Help the Home. And chapter 3 is entitled, Building a Fire in the Rain. And, and he uses it as a description, like, this whole home thing, this is going to be tough. You build a fire in the rain, then what? You have got to be dedicated to the task. And he explains in this book, very practically, that's what I love about him, is that you cannot raise your children on, because I said so. 
He explains, like, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to work. He explains what? You got to lean in. You got you to listen. You got to explain something, then you got to explain it again. And then you got to explain it a third time. And you got you to teach and model. Hendricks goes on and talks about the dangers, dads, fathers of passivity, of just sitting like a lump on a log. He talks about the dangers of confusion. I don't really know. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what. And so what? And so that multiplies. He talks about the dangers of inconsistency. You can't do something on this day and something different on that day. How is a kid supposed to learn that? So he gives simple, clear how-to. Seven of them I want to give to you this morning. I know, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of an intro, but we're doing fine for time. We'll keep the doors locked for the second service. <laughs> Very quickly, okay? This is what I want us all to learn. Dads, I want you to learn. Kids, I want you to give attention to dad as he learns this. Number one, establish biblical standards. Establish biblical standards. Yes, there's personal standards. I understand that doesn't override biblical. Yes, there's cultural expectations. It does not override biblical. At some level, you got to know the word. And everything that we do as a family is based on a biblical standard. Number two, you got to set clear objectives and priorities. Kids have got to know where the boundaries are. I had a curfew. And by the time I, I was 17 years old, believe it or not, I went to bed at like 8.30 forever. Like that was like, you're just in bed by 8.30. Net over my little head and everything. No, 8.30. But, but what's interesting is when I finally like grew up a little bit, my, my curfew, I don't know, if the, my curfew got moved to midnight. I'll take it. So I was 17 years old with the curfew at midnight, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. But you do not drive in at 12.02. You do not do that. I did it once. Never did it again. But what? You have to establish, you have to know what is the objective, what is the principle, what is the standards. Number three, let love be supreme. I heard this week as I was listening to this idea on Father's Day. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. Isn't that cute? We've all heard that before. It's really not spelling love. It's spelling time. Get it? Stop what you're doing in your own pathetic pursuit of worldly success. And get on the floor and build Building blocks, whatever it is with that little one. Greatest investment of your time. It doesn't matter how hard you work, how long your day is. When your son says, hey, dad, you want to have a catch? You better drop everything. Say, sure, no problem. I remember, I remember one time I was learning this. And my son had asked me to have a catch, but it was dark out. How do you do that? You pull the cars in and you turn headlights on. And you try to turn as many lights on that you can find. And it's dangerous. But you can do it. You can do that. 
Because it's important to show your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, how much you love them. Number four, live your convictions consistently. Your kid will smell a fake faster than anybody. You can't say one thing to somebody else outside the home and live another way. You, it will not work. You have got to be consistent. When you teach your child, you don't speak like that. I tell you what, you better not let something utter out of your mouth. It's not honoring God. And if it does, you better fall on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. And you go back to your daughter and say, forgive daddy. Please forgive daddy. Be consistent. Number five, feed your children responsibility. Give them tasks to do. Reward them appropriately. You don't have to pay them $1,000. Here's a tic-tac because you mowed the entire lawn exactly the way that I like it. But what? Give them some sense of responsibility. Number six, house clean. I love this. This is Hendrix. He has like that really kind of nasally had had that nasally, like, annoying accent from Philly. Like, he's like, house clean your attitudes. And I like that. Check your own heart. Yeah, my kid's going to be better than your kid. No, that's just arrogance and pride. Check your attitude. House clean your attitude. Number seven, seek God's will. Not your own. Oh, how important. That is an endless Endless, endless pursuit. Be assured, it is possible to honor your father and your mother. Why? Because all of these commands have been given to us for a reason. They're not only teaching us how to navigate our way through life, but you know what these commands are teaching us probably more than anything else? They're teaching us about God himself. That's the significance of this. God is a God of authority. That's what God is revealing. He calls the shots. He sets up the parameters and the boundaries. As creator of everyone and everything, he knows the importance that we need. We're going to kick against the railings of the crib from day one. Let me tell you this. You will always lose the battle against God's authority. So these commandments are teaching us about God himself. God is a, a God of provision. I love at the, the end of this particular commandment is a motivation to honor. What, so that your days may be long. That the length of your life is filled. What? Not just the milk and honey of the promised land. But filled with the promise. And I love this. The favor of God. Oh how I want God's favor. Over my life, my wife's life, the wife of those who have been called to shepherd under my care. I want God's favor every day. My wife and I would tuck our children in praying, God, thank you for the gift of this day. If you want them back, they're yours. That's a hard prayer to pray. To cover them with your shed blood. God is a God of generosity. As Savior, he's not just our creator, he is our Savior. He knows the blessings and the promises that are in store when we trust him. Thankfully, what? We have one perfect example. We have one perfect example of a son who honored perfectly. Think of that. That one is the person. And it's in the work of Jesus. Who, if you recall the story, was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
with such stress and strain as he just pours out his heart to his heavenly father. And he says, Father, please. He, he knows what's going to come. And he pleads, remove this cup, this cup of suffering from me. But ultimately, he surrenders and submits. Not my will. It's not what I want. But your will be done. And think about this. By the obedience of Jesus Christ the Son. By, by Jesus Christ the Son honoring his Father that he knew was going to lead to brokenness was for the purpose of our blessing. Think of that. He knew what he was going to suffer. But he saw you. He said, I'll take it. Because I love you. One of the things that I missed, apart from our singing and our worship together, as we gather, is the communion table of the Lord. That's in, in a definition of who the church is. We gather to remember what Jesus Christ has done, to celebrate and commemorate what Jesus Christ has done. And, and I so desperately, desperately missed our gathering together. I know it's a little different. We have our little cutesy little cups. It's just, just a pitch and reminder of really what's important, of what's significant. That God knew we would very, very quickly, we would very easily forget things. But when we taste something, when we smell something, when we touch something and, and feel it and hold it, we remember those things. And that's why, that's why right before Jesus was praying in the garden, before that time, Lord, Lord, not what I want, but what you want. Before that time, he was sitting in the upper room with his disciples. And he gives them an object lesson that we have before us. It says that he took some, some bread. It was unleavened bread. It was flat. Not like this. This is a beautiful looking roll, by the way. But it's flat. It's no leaven. And, and he took it and he broke the bread in front of them. He tore it. And he said, just as I'm breaking this bread, my body is going to be broken. This bread is a picture, is a symbol of my body. It's going to be broken, but it's going to be broken for you. And after he broke the bread, it says that he took cup, fruit of the vine, he poured it out as, as an object lesson, as a symbol. He said, I want you to drink this, I want you to taste this. Every time, every time we gather, we're going to eat this bread, we're going to drink this cup. And every time you do this, it's a picture that you're eating my body, you're drinking my blood. That I shed for you. I loved you that much. We know that scripture teaches that without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sins. I've been reading in personal quiet time through the book of Leviticus. Challenging book at times to be fully aware of and understanding the significance. But we see every single time as I read about the careful instruction of how every single offering and sacrifice, I just come back, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, we have this before us. And every time we take this, we remember the Lord until he comes again. 
And so we're, we're going to do that. I, I know that it's, it's different for us with a little cup. I actually had to have a tutorial on how to open it as you are working as well. But let, 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 me, just, let me just read a little bit in Scripture. Then we're going to spend a moment in quietness to prepare our hearts to receive this. But this is for a moment for us to pause and reflect over what Jesus Christ has done. To realize that someone loved us enough to have his body broken. Someone loved us enough to have his blood poured out. But as we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us, we remember how far we are in our unholiness from his holiness. How can there ever be, apart from the finished full work of Jesus, accomplished on the cross and in the tomb? And so we have to remember that. I want to remind you that if you are fellowshipping with us here and you are an unbeliever, I know those are cutesy little cups, but this isn't for you. This isn't just something that we do quickly, in haste, but we do it as ones who have acknowledged that we've placed our faith and our trust in Jesus. And so this is, this is for you. Take that. But if, if you are here this morning and you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the gift that has been offered to you of, of salvation by grace through faith, you've not made that decision, then I would ask you just, play, just refrain from that. Ask us and we'll explain that. But if you understand that you are a sinner, and we don't really need a lot of convincing of that from the days that we were in our crib. And our sin, what, deserves, what, we deserve eternal separation and punishment. But God loved us so much, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Then today can be the first day you accept this and receive this as a believer. I'm going to ask right now that we bow our heads. And just take a moment to prepare our hearts and thank the Lord for what he has done for us in offering us salvation through the sacrificial death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We you bow your heads and pray with me. Oh, Father, how we love you. We thank you for the reminder of your unconditional love for us. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you offered your only son, Jesus, to suffer, to die, to be broken on our behalf, for us to be blessed with forgiveness of sin, for us to be declared righteous in your sight, for us to be adopted into your family as your own children. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of being gathered as family and how, how much we miss that. We thank you, Lord, for this uh, bread. We thank you for this cup that is a picture of your body and your blood. And as we take it, Lord, we ask blessing upon it that we would be reminded and, Lord willing, encouraged to live sacrificial lives for your kingdom 
and for your glory. Bless this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to the church in Corinth. And he says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. If you want to open your cup carefully, don't think about it as just some grape juice. Think of it of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you and for me. Paul continues, he says, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, the new promise in my blood. Do this, drink this, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Mark's gospel says, before they left the upper room, they sang together, and we are going to do that as a family. Matt, why don't you come and lead us? May the Lord bless.